So what I see for the future are fleets of va'a. This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Kenji Cataldo. I'm Suyuno Amos. Each week, we'll be talking story with grassroots community organizers at the forefront of progressive movements for change in Hawaii. Over this series, we're featuring the 30 grantees who received community-raised funds through the Hawaii People's Fund this year. It's our biggest cohort to date, and we're so excited to share their stories with you. Today, we're talking with Hoku Pihana from Nava'a Mao. Nava'a Mao runs marine science projects out of va'a, or canoes. Their programs teach ocean safety and paddling skills, while blending science with cultural knowledge. Let's dive in. We're here today with Hokuo Kahalelani Pihana from Nava'a Mao Marine Stewardship Program. Hoku, would you like to introduce yourself and your role in Nava'a Mao? Aloha mai, uh, I'm Hoku Kahalelani Pihana. I um, am born Wahiwa O'ahu, raised in um, Southern California, and I'm now over here on the Puna side of the Big Island of Hawaii, Moko Keawe. The Nava'amo Marine Stewardship Program was developed in 2015 with the intent to um, perpetuate the practices of our kupuna by using our our, our outrigger canoes to malama our oceans. And then also um, to really implement a more holistic, less invasive approach to caring for our oceans. So using va'a as a vehicle to malama our oceans not only strengthens the health and wellness of our peoples and our communities, but it also creates a more um, intimate relationship with our oceans where we're not hearing that motor sound and so on and so forth. So the va'a program is um, created really with those two things in mind, with the mission to use our, um, our native tools and practices to Aina and then to perpetuate and support the next generation of marine stewards within our communities. Mahalo nui. Um, Hoku, can you tell us the story of how Nava'o Mao came to be? What was your path to this work and then how did the organization actually come about? Uh, mahalo nui, Kenji, for that question. So, um, so Nava'a Mo came from a pico from myself and my pilina with my papa. So my papa was a va'a man. He was a Waikiki beach boy in the 70s. And all of the time and memory that I have of him is with the canoe. And he passed when I was five. So as a young child, kind of understanding and really accepting or moving forward with that loss, Va'a became that connection and that pilina to my papa that I had, and also with the Moana, the ocean. And so throughout my life, Va'a has always just been present. And as I got older and um, actually went to Papahano Mokoakea Pihemanu um, into our Kupuna Islands, there was a moment when I went to a space where I really felt an exchange with my papa that evoked this particular um, passion to really use and really awaken and evoke that identity of va'a that has been um, 
kind of overshadowed by the co competitive identity VAA carries today. So just that Pilina with my papa really established that, you know, I just really want to use VAA as a, as a vehicle for our keiki to malama aina, for our communities to participate in caring for our resources. And um, yeah, for me, just to perpetuate the hana that my, of, of my dad. So that was kind of the origin of it and how it all started. And then um, as I went through my education and really experiencing the different things that my mentors have shared with me and enabled me to participate in, it just kind of moved forward from there. And in 2015, the program really had the opportunity to be hosted. We were kind of playing around with things and then um, we were able to host a summer program at the University of Hawaii at, at Hilo and did our first exchange with another university. And so that's kind of where it really kind of took took off and really started becoming more of a practice and a program that we implemented. And am I understanding right that your background is in marine science? Yeah, so I, I have a BA in marine science and then a master's of science in tropical conservation, biology, and environmental science. <laughs> both from the University of Hawaii at Hilo. Yeah. Maybe if you could talk about what are the programs that Nava'amao offers? What kinds of training and skills can people gain through the programs? Oh, okay. So Nava'amao is, so, so to give you a bit more background of Nava'a, so what we do by using Ba'a as a vehicle to Malamar Oceans, what we do is we blend ind indigenous and institutional sciences together. So we'll use the mechanical tools of Western science for data collection, interpretation, and analysis. And then we'll use the, the more fluid um, tools of indigenous science through um, um, environmental observations, interpretation of place names, examinations of mo'olalo and oli and, and olalo no'eao to understand the historical relationships of place and the environment that we're, um, we're examining or researching or monitoring. So um, we bring those tools together, combine them, and then we, we implement, like I said, a more holistic and um, less invasive way to engage with our environment. So what Nava'a does, in order for us to really um, create an all-encompassing experience for people, we offer three different opportunities. One is our community work days we host monthly, and that's an opportunity for the community just to come out and participate in the active marine monitoring that we're doing at that time. Like right now, one thing that we're looking at or interested in looking at is microplastic composition within our plankton communities. Um, another program is the inner island exchanges, and that's an opportunity for us to package our program and take them to other communities and exchange and share and teach them how they can implement that within their community and start using these practices. So this it's more of a sharing opportunity. And of course, because of COVID, we haven't really been able to support those exchanges yet, but that's something that we feel is um, important as well, just branching out for starting with our communities and then sharing out with the rest. And then finally, the Honuaiakea Voyaging Program is um, targeted really towards our Kanaka Maoli youth and our next generation of marine stewards and really providing them with the tools and skills and support that they need to support their emotional, academic, and 
spiritual self-identity, their health and wellness, their their self-confidence, well-being, and really set them forth to prepare on a solid foundation for their adulthood. You know, so not just looking at academic academic support, but all of those other things that come with it, like a is. So those are the three main programs that we host. Awesome. So have you been able to continue with community work days through COVID? And also, where do you do those work days? Um, mahalo Nui for asking that, Kenji. So for now, because of COVID, um, the community work days in inner island exchanges have, of course, been put on hold just simply because we it's, we can't gather like we'd like to. So our primary focus right now is our Honue Kea Voyaging Program, which does enable us to share out it, you know, in a, a smaller scale, but still provide the opportunities to engage with our community, especially the next generation of marine stewards. Um, so those are all paused until we really can start initiating. And they are hosted out of East Hawaii. So like I said, I live in Puna, Hawaii, and our program hosted is hosted out of Hilo One um, in um, Hilo, Hawaii, over at the Kamehameha Canoe Club. And so those are that's our host, Halau. And um, for now, that's where we're bringing our kids and doing our programming. And that's often where we will host our community work days. So how do people get involved with the Honuaiakea Voyaging Program? And, and who is involved? Or, you know, how do the youth find you and how do they get involved? Oh, thank you for asking. So, you know, um, so for now, the way that we're doing it is we do a lot of, so for our first cohort that we hosted this year, a lot of the youth um, found out about our program, of course, through our social media outlets. We do also have our website, Kahale Mao, that provides more information about our program. And then um, the opportunity to register for our program opens. We normally open in February to open for to host our next cohort for people to register and participate. And what is the age range? Is it mostly young adult or high school students? Yeah, so we're we're focusing on our, our high school students from ninth to twelfth grade in, in one year after they graduate also. So the idea is is to really provide these guys with um the tools and um opportunity just to establish a really long-term relationship with each other and our program and their community. So so if you participate in the cohort, say cohort one, year one. You, you're in our program forever. If you want to come back for the second year and build on your skills, you're invited back to our program. And same for the third years. And that's all just really about not ma, not just malama-ing the, the, the student and the participant at one year, but really creating that long-lasting relationship. So when they hit college, when they hit you know their career pathways, they can still come back to our program and be like, hey, you know, like how can we support you? Either that knowing that they're always in the va'a. It's cool to hear that you have that long-term commitment and perspective. Could you talk some more about the components of that program? I think there's a, a science component and a, a part about ocean safety. Yeah, so for the Honuya Camp Voyaging Program, um, to really strengthen those skill sets that I was um, talking about earlier, we have three components. So the students come in in the first phase of the program, they conduct their ocean safety lifeguard certification skills and start learning about what Nava'a does, how we use our tools, and really how to paddle together in a canoe, right? So we have 
um, a range of experience levels when it comes to paddling. And so we really want to set forth that, establish that foundation and that relationship among each other to really be part in how we move and paddle together. We also want to be safe on the ocean. We also want to know how to malama each other. You know, we, we, we're in an ocean environment that requires us to know how to care for each other while we're caring for our ocean. So that's a huge component that we want to establish at the beginning of the program so that we can move forward and implement all of the rest of the program goals and um, ensure that the kids are well, well set for that. So that's phase one. Phase two, we start transitioning into our community interview series, which is where the students can really start honing in on um, just really um, establishing their relationships with their families and communities, not to say they don't have one already, especially with their families, but from, from an ocean stewardship perspective, like learning from their families and learning from the communities. Why is it important to care for our oceans? What do you do to care for oceans? What are your concerns? And just really starting that conversation and learning about like, not only is Va'al, we're going to go out and we're going to study this, but why are we studying this? What is the importance? Is it for our community? Is it for our family? Is it to ensure we have food always in our oceans, and, you know, for our people? So that component is, is significant in the sense that not only do they get to see who in their community is doing these practices and implementing these things within their professional lives, but also to see what they can do as career goals and pathways to to be employed in Hawaii, live in Hawaii, and care for your family and your resources. So that's a major piece for the community interview piece. And then the final component is the voyaging exchange. So at the close of the program, from all of the, the, the Ike and the Manao that they've gained over time while being with us, they they, we implement our voyaging exchange. And so the voyaging exchange, the first year is on Hawaii Island. And our goal is to exchange with a, a, another community. And this one was West Hawaii Kona. And we voyage between communities on our va'a, implement our Nava'ama marine stewardship methods and, and monitoring projects. And then we, we go to the community and we exchange practices. We learn from them, we interview them. and. And then that kind of builds from that community interview piece, yeah? And so from that, we um, not only are we strengthening their physical and, you know, wellness and health, but there's also something about voyaging and being in a canoe that strengthens your emotional and all of those other big things within you that builds a confidence beyond, oh, I got an A on that test, you know? It's a belief in yourself that is evoked from simply paddling seven miles or 15, you know what I mean? So that's the culmination of all of, of the program it, itself in each year. So that say cohort one, if they were to move in the second year, the voyaging is expanded. So we go into Maui Nui, we exchange with our other island communities, and then hopefully exchange throughout the Pacific with hopefully a long-term goal of getting to our kupunas. But, that I always say is the Va'a will tell us when it's time for us to go. So I know push, we just holo when we're supposed to. Wow, it's really exciting to hear all those multi-layer pieces of the work you do and the projects that you're working on in these programs. 
I feel like I have so many questions. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear more about the communities you've exchanged with or hope to exchange with in the future and more about um, what kinds of the monitoring projects you've got going on. You know, you mentioned that you're looking at the composition of microplastics and plankton and I don't even know how to form this into a question, but I want to hear more about everything. Well, <laughs> um, I guess, okay, so, so just me as, as a Kanak and a marine scientist, I, I've been looking at the at microplastic composition in and among plankton communities because of just, because of the kumulipo. And the kumulipo is our Hawaiian creation chant. And one of the first signs in the kumulipo is uku for not knowing the whole, but uku is is our polyp. It is the first organism that comes from the depths, from the lipo lipo of our, our vahi, of our place. So so if we're impacting our our plankton communities, which are the really small microscopic organisms that live within the water column that either morph into, um, you know, their small juvenile phase of a larger organism or they stay planktonic for the rest of it. So just looking at that from not just an environmental, but a cultural identity of like, if we're impacting our people at a level that is so dramatic that it could affect the loss of these larger organisms with our marine environment. How do we evoke change within our human behavior to at least change or make some difference in how that's happening? So, and I think plankton are really cool to just look at at a microscopic level. They're really like cosmic and just really wow, you know, and then when you go to the depths of the ocean, you find similar organisms that do the same. So that was one with the um, the plankton that really was a pico pool of it. And also to kind of starting at that level, like we always tend to go to the fish. We really love to look at the coral. We super, you know, dig lots of invertebrates and things. But before all of those things existed, they were planktonic at some time in their life cycle. So going back to the plankton, really and tying that into our kumulipo and looking at what kumulipo tells us of the evolution of all our species, organisms, all the way up to the kanaka. And then how does that parallel in how we're treating our marine environment, you know, and what do we do to shift it? So that's kind of where the plankton came from. But uh, was there another piece I was thinking of? Yeah, that's already really enlightening to hear where that interest came from for you. Um, the other part of the question was just what other communities have you been able to exchange with or do you dream of being able to exchange with in the future? Yeah, so um, two big communities. We've done a lot of community exchange, um, ironically enough, with other um, programs, one from Aotearoa and then another on the Pujoro STEM Academy, and then another from the university. And that was really awesome to get students in the Va'a. And that exchange from the university, we either from, oh, what, South Carolina, I'm not remembering well, but what was so wonderful about that exchange was these students came to me and they didn't know how to swim. And they, and one asked me actually if we had to get in the, in the water. And I was like, well, yeah, yes, you have to get in the water. We do, it'll happen. <laughs> You know, and so 
And it, just to see the metamorphosis of how that evolved over a six week period, a long story short, the boy that asked me the question got in the water and he swam and they all did it. And it was such a beautiful exchange that like that part, it did it, the, the science and the mechanical pieces of data collection and what were, you know, wasn't as significant as the, what awakened in him individually and the belief in his own self that I can swim, I can get in the ocean. And it's a memory that I'll carry with him for his life. You know, I went to Hawaii and I got it. You know? But, um, and then with Aotearoa, just really learning um, how similar we are in our practices and the va'a that we, um, our va'a practices, just our identities and our connection and pilina to va'a. We were able to to go over and present in Aotearoa and we're able to um, go on the va'a in the um, Waikato River with um, some va'a paddlers. And it was so amazing to A, be in Aotearoa in a va'a, you know, <laughs> and then be paddling on this river that is so significant to them and then tell, you know, share their stories with us. So, and then we also were able to go out to see um, a double Hawaii rising. So those were really wonderful exchanges. Um, what we're hoping to do is exchange with the Uncle Kimo Kyo Foundation and um, Paro Maui Nui. I was able to do that, go through Pailolo Channel, Molokai, Maui, and then or uh, Lanai, and then come back to Maui. So that is an exchange I'm really dreaming to do as well as, well as over Kona side. That was something we were hoping to do this year, but because of COVID, everything closed again, so we weren't able to exchange. So it'd just be nice to get you know, close and go I'd love to hear now about your vision for the future. What do you see for the future of voyaging and for the future of Hawaii? I, thank you, Kenji, for asking this question because it has been in my people, my now, everything. So what I see for the future are fleets of va'a, caring for our ocean, caring for our people's, sustaining our resources, you know, providing food and sustenance for our peoples, perpetuating the practices, our cultural practices of everything. Like, And then also within that, collaborating with those that come in and exchange with us and really sharing that space of, of caring for our Aina just bringing in that Aina that fruitful land and practice for our people. Fleets of va'a, all of them, from Hawaii to Polynesia, to, to our Native American cousins, all of us just caring for our people's Zuba. I'm gonna see that happen. It's gonna happen. This will be beautiful. <laughs> I love that. It's such a beautiful vision. Fleets of Va'a. <sighs> Fleets. Right? It's just amazing. I see them all the time. And I was like, oh, it's heaven. Anyway. <laughs> Mahalo for asking that. <laughs> yeah. And also on the flip side, sort of looking back, I wanted to ask you about the importance of va'a in the history of Hawaii. Also thinking about the resurgence of voyaging in the past decades. Yeah, that has been amazing. And so like I had said in the beginning, so va'a for me has carried such an intimate connection because it was so purely to how I identified with my papa from such a young age that it started there. But then as I got older and I started, especially with Nava'a, looking into how did we use our va'a as vehicles to care for our families 
and resources and um, just really learning about, like even here living in Kilkaha before they put in the, um, the roads to, to connect, you would use Va'a just to get to your communities. And, you know, it was your vehicle, it was your car, your car. You know, you, there wasn't a road to drive across in certain areas. You had to take a boat or have a canoe or some sort. And also just how like um, the va'alavaya, the different practices and how pili va'a is, is to the practice of fishing and the different practices that come along with um, the different fishing practices that come along with the use of va'a. So that was really amazing. And then also looking into that transition of voyaging, because that was um, another identity of my papa before he passed. He was part of that voyaging movement. And um, and just really seeing that resurgence, because I really felt like, even for me as a young child, watching that happen, there was a pico pool that ancestrally you feel, no matter how far away you are or how close you are to Hawaii. Like when I grew up, I was on the mainland. So I was always feeling pulled back to to home. And with Va'a, that was more prevalent, especially when we were starting to see it more and it became an identity of our peoples and this movement towards reclaiming our spaces and our practices and our language, you know, it was all encapsulated. And then, um, and then now really, you know, moving into the competitive sports of Va'a, that's the identity. I got into, you know, competing and paddling and meddling in seat one and seat two and all of that wonderfulness of competition. But that other identity of being a vehicle and being a food source and all of those things of Ba'a started to diminish. So really, I don't want to say resurge, but evoke is kind of what I think of bringing those identities back, or I don't say bringing them back, but evoking those identities of Ba'as what came to be. And the thing that really stands out to me about Nava'a Mao is that intention of integrating Western science with cultural knowledge or indigenous technologies, really, and ways of knowing that I feel you express so fluidly. And what's resonating with me is something you mentioned earlier about, you know, being in the water and caring for the ocean without that motor noise from a boat. Um, so I'd love to hear you talk more about just what are the different ways of knowing that kind of come through when you are integrating Western science with more indigenous technologies? Yeah, so, um, okay, so one thing, an, another part of what made, brought, no, created Nava'a was my experience um, teaching oceanography to one lab. And so we we're often on a motorized vessel and we had groups and they would have to rotate through stations, um, shooting bearings, dragging plankton net, mapping and such. But there was um, a disconnect between the kids that I noticed or some, I, I, and I don't want to say disconnect in a negative way, but just in, in a way of um, presence, I suppose. So, and then the motorized noise of the boat, because it was all a wonderful experience, but just that different energy that you carry when you're on a motorized vessel. And then I thought, I wonder if we could try all of this stuff in a canoe and how would it differ? What what would, ev what would it evoke in them that would is different than what's being evoked on a motorized vessel? And so that's when we started bringing all of those things in together. We started bringing YSI units out and taking water property, you know, bringing all of the tools that we use on this motorized boat and putting them into the canoe. 
and just messing around and seeing, oh, what works, what doesn't. One thing was that we realized plankton pools, you know, you could drag. We were curious to see if we got cleaner catches because there wasn't a motor interrupting the movement of the pool that we're trying or the drag that we're catching. So that was um, interesting. And then also, too, what came from that was the opportunity to observe more. When you're in a canoe, you tend to make more environmental observations simply because you're closer to the water, you can put your hand in it. You can get into the water and jump back into the canoe. You can look to the mauna and there's not um, an antenna or something interrupting your field of view. Or, you know, So those were all of the things that were really um, starting to like come to life. And what, what I always say is that the the fluidity of our you know integrating of native practices and ways um we Im implement the mechanical tools to you know not to enhance our indigenous practices and cultures but to just create it more all-encompassing and making it more um i guess all-encompassing is the best way to put it because the the indigenous sciences and practices the pause the foundation I would say culturally culturally rooted scientifically rigorous <laughs> but that's how that all came to be was just really playing around and asking those questions like can it plus with Va you can also in, um, access more isolated and shallower regions of the ocean so with a motorized vessel it's it's a lot harder you're only you're limited to areas beyond the coastal shorelines. Of course, with that, you always have to be mindful of the behaviors of your coastal oceans. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, those were kind of the things that evoked um, from, yeah, just kind of those experiences. Yeah, those were perfect yeah. examples of what I was asking about. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just thinking about that phrase you just said, of culturally rooted, scientifically rigorous. And I'm wondering how you came to that understanding. Were there any teachers while you were studying marine science or mentors? Or how did that come together in your own understanding of the ocean and of the work that you do? Yeah, thank you for asking that, Kenji. So um, when I went back to school in 2010, I became part of the Kiaholoa STEM program when I was doing my marine science undergrad work. And Palika Andrade was the coordinator for that program when I came into, uh, when I started participating. And that program really provided a pathway or, or really a space for um, Native peoples, minorities, and other, you know, Native Hawaiians and other minority communities to conduct science in such a way that was meaningful and, and, and um, intended to, you know, that where we could implement our cultural knowledge and practices. because. There was really a space where people were starving for that opportunity. It was hard to stay in the mechanical mindset of Western science, even though it was important for us to know. We really needed to have a space where we can make it applicable to our communities and our ways of being. So bringing in that, um, that practice and that knowledge and the opportunity, that space is really wonderful. And that was where it all started for me. And I actually started seeing the relationship between the two sciences being that where one starts to almost taper off in a sense or start to produce a different outcome, the other tends to, starts to pick up, you know, like with the mechanical. So with indigenous science, 
um, results, perhaps it's a Vahipana, a, a place name, or, um, you know, Mo'olelo or an Olelo or, or an Oli or something of that, that's a product of that experience or observation or, or data collection. But through Western science, it's a p-value, it's a statistical analysis or interpretation. So really seeing where those two connect um, was, um, was like, whoa, it was kind of an eye-opening experience. And Kiaholoa provided that. And then going, being part of um, Kapapaku'ula, which was um, a class offered at UH Hilo by Dr. Misaki Takabayashi. So Ku'ula was a class that really fed, and again, enabled us to do all of those things. And um, we did get the opportunity to go up to Papahanaumoku Akea um, at Pihemanu Midway Atoll and implement our, our practices. And that was where um, we did a study on Vahipana. And we went back and looked at the Vahipana, the place names given to these spaces and reassessed, like, you know, the environmental um, observations we made and the Mo'olelo that we researched and really was wondering, you know, so it, was, it was really gave us an opportunity to really understand and, and we always understood the function of and importance of our practices. But, um, and I don't want to, I want to steer away from validation, but it just really enabled us to just do it and just have that be that. And, and, and what the beautiful outcome for me was not only Nava'a, but was really seeing, like, it was so refreshing to know, like, you guys, your generations, the people that are coming after us, it's automatically instilled. It's an understood knowing of behaving and practicing that for our generations, where we had to acclimate, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you guys are these package deals that just have it, there's no, you know, I don't know. So that was where it came from was this whole space, that space, that foundation that was laid from, from my um, mentors for sure. They won't say they're my mentors, but they are. <laughs> um, for anyone interested, what are the ways that people can plug into the work you're doing or hear more about it? So they can visit our um, Facebook page at, I think it's facebook.com backslash Nava'ama'o, all lowercase, um, and kind of see what we're doing up there. We do post updates um, on our social media account, and we also have an Instagram is also at Nava'ama'o. Um, and then we do have our website, and so that is uh, kahalemao.com backslash Nava'ama'o. So that that particular, at our website is where all of the information will go in, when to be able to register for events, how to get involved with our programs, the up and coming work days. So that houses, that's the major hub for all of the information. But we, our social media accounts will announce um, opportunities also. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Hoku. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you'd like to share? Um. No, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to just share this out with others and really providing that space for us to bring in these really um, these ways of being and practicing and caring for our resources as our vehicle. Yeah. Mahalo. This has been such a fun and exciting conversation. Thank you, guys. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey. Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. Revolutionary.
production of this podcast is supported by a fellowship from Princeton University. Thank you to our community donors and to you, our audience, for listening. In our next episode, we'll be speaking with Kaylee William Iowane Legacy Foundation. When I found out that I was living on homestead lands and that I was Hawaiian and that we were living on Hawaiian homestead, then it was almost like validation. Like, no, I'm not a squatter. I'm not homeless. I am a Hawaiian beneficiary on Hawaiian homelands. You don't want to miss it.